You said role playing. I thought role playing was only for the bedroom. And then you saw it said training. <laughs> you said training. This is, this is a parenting podcast, Lucas. Not I, I know. <laughs> hey, it's the Scrobots, and you were listening to Batteries Not Included. Strong and resilient family culture doesn't just magically happen, but it requires hard work, intentional leadership, and constant culture building. Episode one, September 15th, 2022. I'm here with the one and only beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, hot Rachel <laughs> Scrobot. Quite the intro. It is quite the intro. And it's also been quite a long time coming for. It has been, goodness, how many months coming? I mean, we've been talking about it probably for the last year, for sure. Um, intentionally trying to make it work since January of 2022. So. It has been about nine months um, of trying to make this happen. And here we are. Here we are. High five. We're starting. <laughs> so you have had, I don't know if it was dozens, but at least a half dozen, more than you can count on one hand, people saying, you need to start a show. You need to start a podcast. You need to start a show. Are you talking about this elsewhere? How can I get advice? You're always talking to women about parenting advice. You're always getting questions. What is like the, the biggest question that you are constantly facing that was kind of the impetus for you and I starting the show together. People are coming saying, how do I implement boundaries in my family? How do I, you know, put expectations on my kids and not have chaos throughout my whole home, basically. I mean, there's very pointed questions, you know, more specifically, how do I get my kid to sit at the dinner table and eat and have dinner with us as a family? They keep getting up and down and um, that points back to chaos and just kind of having anything goes type of thing in your home. How do I implement these things without um, stifling my children, without um, making them feel like they don't have freedom to be who they are. And that's the number one, like fear that maybe not number one fear, but a, a fear mm. in um, parents because they're afraid of, I guess, crushing their, their children's spirits and who they are. And they think that if they implement things or execute specific things in their family, which is essentially the culture of the family, that that will um, end up backfiring firing on them and um, do the opposite of what they want to see in their family. Well, this is, I mean, this is really a constant theme in culture, in Western culture, in family culture. In, in many ways, it's like a backlash of what a lot of people feel like previous generations has done when it comes to family, when it comes to feeling like their parents were overbearing or culture is overbearing, that there's lots of boundary lines. There's lots of no to this, no to that. It's even this whole kind of idea within parenting of don't say no. Instead, you know, say a positive yes. Because if you tell your kid no, it's like psychological child abuse. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the biggest things I see right now is that we want to give our kids power of choice. Mm. Um, which is a powerful thing. We we need to know that we have a choice in what we do in life. But I think because of maybe some negative um, things that have happened in our childhood, um, just speaking for in general, our generation, we tend to 
as a people just want to do the exact opposite because we're so afraid of, um, you know, ruining our kids. We're afraid of, you know, if we implement specific rules and say, this is okay, this is not okay, then my kid's going to grow up and hate me forever and it's going to destroy our relationship. And so we end up, there, there ends up being zero, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Zero order or boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. No boundaries. And it's, you know, even in the intro of the show, we use this phrase constant culture building. That if you want to have a, a strong family culture, you have to have constant culture building. And I think, I don't know if interesting is, is a good enough word, but it is interesting that whether we have it intentionally or not, we're always building a certain culture within our family, whether we realize it or not. If we are building a culture within our family of not setting boundaries, if we're setting a culture in our family of letting kids do whatever they want, having their emotions run wild and run free with themselves, you are setting a specific culture in your family. You're saying this sort of behavior is okay. This sort of culture is the culture of our family. And I think that's a culture that really we don't want to build. We don't want to build a culture of chaos. I don't think parents enjoy living in the chaos of their family. We don't actually want that. No, we don't. And that, that's a good point. I think it's we want to have great relationships with our kids. We want there to be peace in the home. We want there to be enjoyment of our yeah both sides. We want our kids to enjoy us. We want to enjoy our kids. We don't want to look back. And I think every mom and probably every father who is listening to this will agree. We don't want to look back and say, oh, I regret that. Mm. That is a huge driving point. We're so afraid that we're going to look back and regret over what we did or didn't do. And so therefore we kind of stay paralyzed in fear, but then we, we choose to, whether, like you said, whether we realize it or not, we're choosing we're actually choosing that we're choosing to live in that chaos mm. because we're so afraid of actually making, you know, a strong step forward to implement different things in our family that will actually create boundaries and create um, that peace and that joy in the home um, for all parties, kids and parents included. As, as you say that it kind of triggered some thoughts and we, we do this with our kids often, which is like casting that future vision of, why, why are you restricting your life now? Why are you disciplining your life now? Why, why are parents discipline, disciplining your life now? And it's always because of some sort of future vision. It's always because, you know, without vision, people perish. Without vision, we lose the drive and the motivation of what, what are we doing? Why are we doing this thing? Why are we going through this level of restriction? And so even I th think it's helpful for parents, for me to think, Okay, why am I investing in this uncomfortable thing of building boundaries within my family's life? Well, it's because of this end goal. Everything is really about the end goal of when we are on our deathbeds, what is our relationship going to be like with our kids? When we're on our deathbeds, or even just empty nesters, what sort of relationship are we going to have with our kids? And is it going to be the relationship? that we really want to have. So I think that's an important thing to remember 
when we are setting culture, when we are enforcing boundaries and discipline in our kids, that it is actually going to produce a stronger relationship moving forward. So maybe do you have a story, a story for us of what has been the fruit in our lives, in our parenting? Because God knows we're not perfect parents, right? It's batteries not included is the whole idea and premise behind it is that you're not born with it. It's like that. Maybe it's Maybelline commercial. How does it go? Maybe, maybe you're born with it. Maybe, maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you're not born with it. It is, it is something that has to be taught. It has something has to be learned. It's batteries are not included with this, this, gift of parenting that we have, but we have to empower ourselves. We have to find a power source so that we can actually do what we want to do. And so what is some of the, the chaos that we have experienced when we're not setting boundaries? Maybe give us some examples of boundaries and some stories um, of, of negative and positive fruit from not having boundaries or having boundaries in our lives. Well, I feel like, um, you know, going, if we want to rewind all the way back to when we were just feeling desperate for Mm. peace and structure and boundaries in our home and didn't know how to implement it. You know, Arrow, our oldest, he's nine and a half now. He was, um, I guess probably three at the time, maybe four. Um, he was four. Aiden was two. Our second born was two. And so we were just trying to, we were desperate talking to different families who, you know, some of which were, the kids were older. They had great relationships with their kids. Their kids were joy filled. They were obedient. They loved, you could, it was very evident that they loved their parents. They loved their Mm. life and that they were not just like happy on the outside, but this like general, this general contentment um, was very evident in their family. So those are the people that's a little tip. If you see that in a family, mm. say, what are you doing? Because that's what we did. I mean, we can't just say, oh yeah, we came up with this on our own, you know, but it was through conversation. And so we reached out to a couple of different families because in that stage, as a four and two-year-old, you're having situations like, you know, going to the grocery store, you have different events in your life. Maybe you're going to the park with your kids. Maybe you're going to a friend's house for a play date. And that is usually when things come up that you're, you know, will cause you know, whether we want to admit or not embarrassment in us as parents, when we mm. think, oh my goodness, why is my kid acting that way? Whether we want to admit it or not, we do care about those things and what people are thinking about us. And Absolutely. oh my gosh, my kid's acting this way. Um, and we started getting great advice and things that we learned was that if we're not willing to train our kids in the home through role-playing setting up a scenario of when we go to the grocery store, this is what, you know, we expect. Or when we go to so-and-so's house, this is what we're going to, this is what we are going to do. This is what we're not going to do and kind of role play that, train them in the home, have fun with it um, and set them up for success. Then we can't expect them to go into that situation ready and equipped and ready to uh, empowered to act, I guess, the way we want them to, or act in a way that makes them feel like they're in some ways in control of the situation. Like, it actually does empower them to, I guess, 
it's both worlds where we feel like, wow, they are acting kind and they're being polite and they're sharing and they're not touching everything on the shelf and they're not ripping toys from someone's hand because we went over this. We, 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 we train them in this. So when we go out into the, you know, what you were talking about earlier, the real world where everything we're doing is shaping them and helping them to face the real world now as a, you know, at that time as a two and four year old now as a nine and a half year old. And then in their twenties and in their thirties, when they go out and kind of having that zoom out view on why we're doing everything we're doing now is to set them up for success. And so I guess that doesn't fully answer your question. It's like a specific story, but we were, we were experiencing a lot of that chaos. So in the training, we would expect, we would give them these expectations of, well, let, let me, let me back up just a little bit. Cause you said a couple of things that I'm a little confused about. You said role playing. I thought role playing was only for the bedroom. And then you saw it said training. <laughs> you said training. This is, this is a parenting <laughs> podcast, Lucas. Not I, a, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you said training and, you know, training, I think of, okay, like you're doing exercise, like workout exercise. What do you, can you break down what you mean by those two, two phrases? Because, you know, before I heard of this, I thought it was, well, when you, when you, when your kid does something that you don't want, you need to somehow correct that behavior and the way that we correct that behavior, uh, the way we, we thought is like, well, you, you can't spank because you're going to go to jail. And then I remember once we read a study, I think it was from Harvard that was saying timeouts are, are psychologically damaging for kids. And so you shouldn't put your t- kid in timeout either. So I remember being at a stage in our marriage and our parenting where it's, we literally like had no idea what to do, but now you're saying something called training or role playing. What is that? Great question. I think if if we kind of look at it as like, you know, if you are getting ready for a big game, whether it's in football or baseball, or even think about, you know, you're putting on a musical or a play. If you're in the arts, if you're doing a beautiful, um, presentation of a a song what do you have to do before that you don't just get thrown on the stage and expect to Mm. know the words know how to position yourself and how to take those deep breaths through your diaphragm you don't get thrown onto um a field and know what position and expect to know what position you're supposed to be playing and and what that position means and what you're what's expected of you when the ball comes Mm. to you and just in the same way and you and i often say this it is very much the same way in the household. So if we expect our kids to stick out their hands and shake Mr. Smith's hand when he greets them, then we have to show them that in the house and train them in this situation. So oftentimes that role playing will look like, okay, kids, we're going over to Mr. and Mrs. Smith's house today. Daddy is Mr. Smith. And we're going to pretend we're walking into their house right now. So we walk in and, and, and Lucas would often say, hi kids, how are you? And we, okay, what do we expect? We're going to look at Mr. Smith in the eye and we're going to stick out our hands while we're looking him in the eye and we say, hi, my name's Arrow. Thanks for having me over today. And go through that with each of them. They all let out some giggles because it's funny and they feel a little bit shy, but we go over that and then that's role playing. And that can be in any situation. Mm. Um, we make it fun. You know, oftentimes it's like, you want to make sure your kid is not super tired or hungry. Just like we as adults, we don't want to talk about something hard or go through some sort of training that we want to get embedded in our head. If we're super tired, if we're hungry, if we're having a hard moment at that time, you want to make it fun. And so we would just set up these 
very easy and go over it a few different times. And then we would often do the opposite of like, okay, let's pretend that you, you know, daddy's Mr. Smith and you come in and you don't look at Mr. Smith and you're looking all around and you're too shy and you're hiding behind mom. And um, anyway, these are things that you have to kind of answer as a couple. What are things in our family that we want our kids to be? So in, so in role playing and, and training, you're saying you set up scenarios that are just like you would if you're training for a play or sports, you come to, you come to practice full with your water bottle ready to go. Not when you're tired and need a snack and really need to lay down for a nap. You do it when kids are in prime condition. And, and then you're saying you set up scenarios of things you want them to do to model correct behavior so that you're, you're telling them and showing them this is, this is how we engage with people. This is how we engage with the world. We, we don't run across the street. We, we do help someone up and ask them if they are, are okay if we accidentally bump into each other and fall. We, this is how we shake our hands. And so you're, you're, you're setting up these scenarios where you're teaching them what's expected of them for both positive situations and negative situations. Yeah. Exactly. And, and what happens is then we go over it. We, we say what's expected. And then we're, when we're on our way, we often will ask the question, okay, we're going to Mr. Smith's house. What are we going to do? And we talk about, okay, you know, they've invited us over for hot dogs. We're going to have hot dogs. We're going to swim in their pool. We're going to play with their, their kids. And this, these are their names. And this is, you know, but what are we not going to do? And then that's when you implement like family rules that you already have in your house. Like for us, it's, we don't jump on furniture. We don't jump on people's beds. We don't just open up their fridges and grab food. We don't, you know, we have a specific protocol for how we interrupt. And so we talk a little bit and remind, it's like this casting vision, like you said, saying, okay, what are we going to do? You know, and when we interrupt, how do we do it? We go and hold mommy's hand. And when she squeezes back, she knows she heard me. But then when there's a break in the conversation, she'll address me. And it's, things that, man, we are, we are calling these things and it's like a, you know, go team, all hands in the middle. And then now go scrobots, you know, it's not a heavy, oh, this is so, I can't believe it. This really constricts everyone. It really does. It's been amazing. I think we were both so shocked at how much freedom it really gave us as parents to just feel like, okay, we feel freedom and safety being in these, you know, this home or this situation because our kids know what's expected of them. They know what we, you know, we've talked about. This is, you know, how we greet. This is, you know, what we, what we do do and what we don't do. And so then there's just freedom all across the board for all of us. And we're enjoying our kids and they're enjoying us. And then kind of letting them know what, you know, if those things don't happen and you do do the opposite of what we've talked about, there are consequences because there are consequences for every good and bad behavior. Mm. And so then they know there's no, oh my goodness, you know, there's no timidity or fear because they know we, mom and dad have laid out such clear expectations. So now I can make a choice whether or not I'm going to follow the directions or not. Um, And there's grace and, you know, there's mistakes that happen, but it's just making it abundantly clear because we need that even as adults, we need clear expectations so that we can feel like we can fully step out and what, is it is required of us is what's expected of us. Um, and so why, why wouldn't kids, I mean, even more so kids mm. would need that as they're developing and, and don't know how to, <laughs> how to like think through a proper decision. Mm. 
um, as a four-year-old, as a five-year-old. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been here 20, 30 years on this earth and we still have a hard time figuring it out. So how much less would a four, five, six-year-old... Um, yeah. I'm thinking back to the story that you kind of referred to of when our boys were four and two and we were, yeah, life was very chaotic and our kids were chaotic. I remember we were, we were traveling a little bit and staying with some friend's house and it was just like constant helicopter parent. Like we're constantly like chasing our kid around, making sure that they didn't touch certain things and didn't break stuff or pull pages out of books or yeah it was like we were <laughs> trying to contain the chaos and you could tell that their house was peaceful and orderly and at the end of the time we asked like what did you do and this was the advice that they gave and I remember you started implementing this right away mm-hmm. and I, I think we were really surprised at that oh oh my goodness I I surprised at a couple things first surprised that oh i realized that i had just been expecting that my kids would know this that well they they should know not to rip pages out of books well they should know not to color on walls they should know not to interrupt and touch your hands (laughs) yeah they of course like of course you're not going to jump on someone's couch but then I i think we began to realize that wait just like we don't know how to do certain things and we have to be told and trained and reminded on a daily basis, mm-hmm. they need that, if not so much more. And it's our role, it's our responsibility to give them those boundary lines, to give them that the boundary lines that are in pleasant places and that reduces anxiety in their life. So I remember when you started implementing this with our kids, within a week, of setting up these trainings and setting up really strict boundary lines, we saw a transformation in our kids. Their anxiety levels dropped. Their their levels of e- emotional instability completely like reduced. Uh, our anxiety levels dropped. It's like, wow, I, I enjoy being around my kids again. Like this is amazing. Yeah, it was it was just mind blowing that something we were told would work actually worked. You know, we were like, oh my goodness, just the consistency and the intentionality of, okay, I'm going to just stay consistent in this. It feels awkward because I'm, you know, driving in the car and at that time I was going to work out at CrossFit um, three times a week. And the nature of what you were doing busy, I had to take Arrow and Aiden with me, which was fine, but there were, you know, there's heavy weights there. There's Mm -hmm. other people working out. There's people swinging different things. And I'm like, well, I can either choose to believe, oh, this just isn't going to work and I'm just going to be stuck at home and I'm a victim and I, you know, my kids just rule the roost. Oh, you, you just don't understand. My, my kids are special and I, I couldn't possibly do that because <laughs> I, I'm just, you just become a victim. You become chained down. They don't understand the me. They can't kids. hear me. They, they're just, you know, they, maybe it works for your kid, but it doesn't work for mine. But I'm like, no, I'm going to give it a shot. And so we'd be driving every time I'd go and I would go over the same things. Okay. We're going to CrossFit. We're going to see this person. We're going to see that person. We're going, mommy's going to work out, you know, it's going to be done in an hour. What are we going to do? What are we not going to do? And they would tell me and we, you pull it from them because then they're telling you, you're not just, it's not just this top down, this is how it's going to be, but we're a team. And so it's like, okay, we're rallying together. We're all going to be happy in the situation. Okay. What are we going to do? These are the Mm. things they are allowed to do. And so then that got discovered over time. Like, 
you know, what they could play with and with the area that they could stay in. And then they know, and they've repeated it back to me. They've told me they understand because that's a huge level of, you know, Mm. getting on their level, whether you're looking at them in the eye or you're just saying, okay, they're repeating it to you. So then they, they'd understand. I mean, my kid was, Aiden was two and he knew, you know, and that is often is like, well, they're just only this age. So they don't get it. And Mm. kids are incredibly smart. Like, come on, let's give them more credit than yeah, what true. than what we're giving them. You know, they they are so smart. I mean, our kid as a 10 month old are repeating, you know, hand movements that we're doing clapping. And I mean, surely they can learn these things from it. Anyway, so we would go and gosh, I, I took them every single time. We would have so much fun. There were times that there were mistakes that were made. And in those times, you can have grace because you're like, oh, that's not a norm because, you know, they're a kid. It's okay. We have grace in situations. But in general, I was enjoying them. They were enjoying me and we were having a great time going out. And that can be implemented in anything that you do if you're willing to be intentional and a lot and repeat yourself a lot. How, I mean, how often <laughs> do we as parents, unbeknownst to ourselves, play the victim and that, oh, we can't, we can't do that. Like the kids are just so much. It's just too much. I mean, I can feel it. And not so much now, but I remember before it was just like the thought of going anywhere with the kids Mm -hmm. and going out. It's like, oh my gosh, like I don't have it in me. It's not worth it. I'd rather just stay home. I'd rather not go out and do it. Everything is magnified when you go out too. You know, if you don't have anything implemented in the house and what they can Mm -hmm. and can't do in the house when you're out, that's only going to get magnified because we push the limits. They want to know, oh, is this okay? What happens if I do this? If I do this how's dad going to react? You know, is it Mm. going to take him the first time to correct me? Or is he going to wait till he's frustrated after the fifth time? And then he's really mad, but I can still push it till then because Mm. that's what we're doing. They're constantly feeling out what, you know, what do you want? And then of course you're not having the energy to go do that again, because you know, when we go, they always act a little crazy and they always like push their limits. And I just don't have it in me to like be interrupted every five seconds with my friend in a conversation because I'm constantly correcting my kid. It's not worth it. Nope. We're not going out. And then we become victims. We become victims of our, our own lack of boundaries in our own life to set boundaries in our family. And then our lives are miserable. We're locked in the house and we then begin to resent our kids. And then as we well, resent our kids, our relationship erodes because right. they're ruling oh, the roost. That's a terrible, that's a terrible place to live. That's a terrible reality to live in and none of us want to live there. Mm. I know that. And so there, there are ways to actually enjoy your kids and your kids enjoy you and for you to have a strong relationship with your kids, even in the really hard little years. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I like how you said to going back to a point that you just said about, you know, is it taking dad five times of me doing this before he's gonna, you know, burst out in anger and react and actually do it. Cause okay. Now mom's now mom's yelling and she's grabbing my arm. It took seven times for me to disobey before she actually did something about it. So she doesn't actually mean it. Dad doesn't actually mean it until seven times. So I can do this, do this, do this, do this. And then when they yell, then I know they mean it, but that's because going back to setting culture, we have then set a culture in our home that says, Unless we get really, really upset and frustrated, we don't mean it. We're not actually people of our word until we're expressing big emotions and we're feeling frazzled and we need a timeout as parents. 
But if you move that to that first interaction and you keep those boundary lines, then you're able to create a, a healthy relationship. And previously, um, when we were talking about today's show, babe, you, you brought up um, the Garden of Eden and how in the garden, the Father God put man and woman in a garden with boundaries around the garden and then also said, here's one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. Do not eat this one. Here's a boundary line. This is off limits. Everything is within limits. And the first time that they transgressed, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to give them like three, four, five, six, seven more times. And then I'm just going to get really mad and wipe them off the face of the earth. It was like, okay, here are the consequences. Here are the immediate consequences of transgression. And if that's how God decides that we need to be fathered, that we need to be trained and disciplined, then how much more do we need to set boundary lines rather than saying, here, you can do anything. I don't, I don't want to restrict your freedom. But if we do that later on in their life, if they think that they can then do anything and not have their freedoms restricted, they're going to wind up in a very painful life, learning very painful lessons later on in their years that they could have learned very early. Wow. It's so true. I have to imagine the exchange. I mean, you know, we only have little snippets from the word of God about those exchanges with how the father walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. But you have to think he probably cast, he, he just would talk about different things. And he said, and remember, you know, that tree, just, just trust me, do not eat from it. You will die. And, and that's the father heart. He doesn't want his children to die. Like he loves them. He wants you know, it's his desire that none should perish, but have everlasting life. And, you know, Satan, he comes to steal and kill and destroy, but God comes to give life and life abundantly. So the very heart of the father is that we would live and not die. And so you've, you've, you've got to know, he didn't just say it once. And even, even in that exchange, when Eve came and is like, here, take a bite. He's like, no, don't you know? Like, <laughs> or it was with Satan and even she goes, no, if I eat from that, I surely will die. That's what God said. Yeah. And then, of course, the exchange happens where he's did like, God, no, did, did he, God really say? Yeah, like, did he, but did they really say, do they really mean it? Because, and then we all know the rest is she Adam ate just it. went right along with it. He's like, he's <laughs> like yeah, babe, like, give me a bite. Okay, yeah, let's do it. And then, yeah, it was like, okay, there's consequences for that. And the heart of God broke. And so even us as parents, we're like, oh, no, we hate it when our kids make those decisions. There's so much grace and love and there's mercy, but if we didn't love our kids, then we wouldn't follow through on what we said we're going to do. And that is what I'm I'm constantly aware of. I constantly go back to the garden of Eden where it's like, okay, he, the very first encounter with, you know, father and his children was, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. That's it. You know? And so that is often what we continue to continually go back to in every stage of our kid's life down, you know, from two or I guess as newborns, because then we implemented these things, not newborns, but you know, a couple months old with them. Um, once they start crawling. Once they start crawling and start staring at you in the eye and throwing food on the floor, they know exactly what they're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so getting to implement this in all scenarios, because we're equipping our kids for the long haul. And um, those boundaries are not restricting them, but it's actually what is going to cause them to walk out in mm. in feeling empowered in the fullness of joy and peace and mm. um 
in their own life. And so that's our job as parents. Like you said, you know, our role is to continually cast that vision. And so I love, I love what you said there because it just, it always brings me back to, okay, this is our job to cast that vision and, Mm. and let them know what is okay and what is not okay. And they need it. We all do. Mm. You know, how would you do your job well? If, you know, as a 34 year old, if your boss didn't tell you what they expect of you, they just popped you down on a desk and then you have this computer in front of you and you have no idea what to do. You have no idea what you're expected to do. And so you start doing work and then they're frustrated with you because you didn't fulfill it or you did too much or you what did. time you're supposed to show up or time you're supposed to leave. I don't know. Yeah. So your do- job description is super clear. This is what, this is when you clock in, this is when you clock out. This is what you do during those hours. These are the calls you're supposed to make. This is, you know, how you're supposed to present yourself to people. This is how we do talk to people. This is how we don't. This is how we respond when people are disgruntled. And so then we feel so ready mm. to fulfill that job. So that's what we want to do for our kids. We want them to feel ready to fulfill their roles in our family because mm. That, you know, probably another topic for another time, but knowing their roles in their family, in our family is so important. And that's when we see our kids really step up to the plate when we call them higher to, hey, this is what we expect of you, Arrow, you know, our oldest, you know, almost 10 year old, which I cannot believe he'll be 10 so soon. Um, And just seeing them, you know, 10, seven, almost five and three really like take that seriously and feel so empowered to step out because we've called them higher and say, hey, this is what we expect of you because we're a team and what's required in a team is to for everybody on that team to know their role. You know, everyone, it's not just you put somebody on the field for soccer and you say, now everyone go after the ball. Well then, you know, that's, mm. it's going to be chaos. Like you need someone at the goalie, you need um, the striker, you need the defense, you need them to know what their job is for there to be some sort of um, structure to a game and not yeah. just, <laughs> people running into each other and getting head concussions. And uh, so it it just, it really does. When you look at it in all areas of life, it's like, wow, we need this even, you know, as adults. So how much more, Mm. how much more as, as kids, you know? Yeah. I think of a few points from what you've said back to the garden of Eden. I think the argument could be, the argument could be like, well, why couldn't, why couldn't God just let them stay? Why did God have to punish them? Mm. And there were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And if, if, if God had allowed them to stay, they would have then been able to go on and eat of the tree of life and essentially never die. And then that would cause them to, con- to continue down this road of growing for for eternity in darkness and self-hatred and anxiety and fear. And so even that the punishment of leaving the Garden of Eden was so that there could be redemption mm. for all mankind and so that they wouldn't go on to continually suffer the consequences of their sin, the consequences of their disobedience. And so when we enforce those boundary lines that we set up we then help them so that they feel the immediate pain now so that they're they don't have to face future consequences for decades of their life where they're developing and picking up habits for the rest of their life that ends up crippling them hurting their relationships hurting their emotional stability hurting their ability to hold and keep a job you you mentioned 
You need to know your role. You need to know what's expected of you, when you need to show up, when you need to leave, how to engage. These are all social norms that I know right now. Right. It's very, uh, it's very into, you know, poo poo on the social norms of like, well, I, w- I want my kid to just totally be wild. And if they want to greet an adult by just screaming at them, well then, you know, that's just them being them. That's just little Johnny being little Johnny or little well. Susie being Susie. When really it's like, that is, you want to set your kid up with the most amount of adult uh, opportunities as a child because that sets them up for further opportunities when they're an adult. And if they don't know how to have those interpersonal skills, how to sit at the table and how to eat properly, how to interrupt, that carries over into these social norms of getting jobs and engaging with people that we all care about. As adults, we judge other adults by their ability to or not do that, to be respectful or not be respectful, and the people even that they hang out with. And so these are important foundational things that we need to build within our kids' lives of knowing these are the boundary lines. These are, this is what is expected of you from family, from God, and even from society. Why? So that you will be successful, so that you have the optimal opportunities in, in, in your lot in life to live a life that's filled with joy and fulfillment. Absolutely. It's so important. And it's really, really important, I, I find, to really remind ourselves that like, we're doing it from a place of, from, of, of, a place of love. And wanting so desperately to set our kids up for success in all areas of life, in their marriage, as parents, in, in the real world, you know, in, in mm. other scenarios where they feel like, oh yeah, my parents have been equipping me. So I feel ready. You know, when our kids are 18 and, you know, going out into the real world, maybe it's, you know, off to college or they're going and doing different, different things, trainings or whatever. I want to feel like, man, we did everything we could to intentionally raise our kids, to equip them. And yes, it's like heartbreaking to like, you know, hug your kid and be like, okay, now go and fly. But we feel as parents confident, like they're ready. We've, we've mm-hmm. like, we've equipped them. We've, we've trained them. We've helped set up these scenarios. So they're not like smacked in the face of like, wait, what? Oh <laughs> what goodness. is life? And so it is I think it's the, it's such a form of sacrifice and love that we would like really intentionally um, repeat ourselves over and over again, go over scenarios with them and teach them because um, we, we want them to feel like they're ready to go into the real world. And I think it's, you know, even going back and I think it's Jordan Peterson who says, if there's something that your kid does that you don't like, mm. it's unlikable in your kid. You know, that, that you they as their you as their parent who loves them more than anyone else in the world and has more grace for them and understanding for them. If there's something that they do that you do not like. It is your job to correct that. And mm. so we correct in in private and we praise in public. So when things happen, we'll have, you know, we'll be with friends, we'll be in scenarios and I'll, something will happen. Maybe one of our kids will constantly be interrupting in a way that's just, they know that they know that that's not how we do things. I'm not going to humiliate them while we're sitting at the table, but I'm going to put that back in the back of my mind. So when we're home, we're like, Hey, 
you know, Arrow, Aiden, you know, tonight when this happened, I noticed you did that. Like, that's not normal. I don't, normally you don't do that, you know? Um, let's remember, how do we, how do we present ourselves in the table? Like, how do we ask questions? How do we wait till someone's finished and then ask them a question about go that? Go home and have a training session so around go home it. Around, yes, exactly. And, and it helps you to be like, okay, that's just a little bit of a little flag that kind of comes up in your brain to be like, okay, I got to work a little bit harder on this. Because if you, if you find your kid annoying and you don't want to be around your kid, other adults are going to feel that times 10. Oh, and other kids at some point as well, you know, and we want our kids to have friends. We want them to learn how to be a good friend. And a lot, you know, a lot of that is like, wow, we get that unique opportunity to teach them and show them like, you know, we're not perfect. We don't do everything right, but we can actually equip them to be good friends and to be able to have conversations. You know, it's so amazing. I think seeing the fruit of this and seeing our kids be able to have adult, have conversations with adults and our, and adults really enjoy talking with our children. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that blesses me as a mom. I'm, I'm rising up and like calling myself blessed as a woman to look at my kids and say, Mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing. And it's, because we have worked really hard intentionally to just equip them to be in that scenario where they're not socially awkward and don't know how to talk to maybe kids their age, but you know, people who are older than them and trying to just ask them questions and they, you know, it's, it's us because we're equipping them. We're empowering them so that they're like, you're this, this, we're like calling forth their design and saying, this is who you are. You're not shy. You're not, you know, you're not a, timid person let's like call that out and say Mm. god has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity and but like love power and of a sound strong mind to stand forth in confidence talk with an adult or you know step out and and share a story when someone asks you or whatever you want to yeah yeah insert in there because we get to equip them and let them know they're the most incredible creatures on the planet and they're going to believe that because we're calling that yes. forth continually through those training sessions and those role plays. It's, and we mentioned it earlier on in the, sh- in the show, but with every interaction you are setting and building your family's culture with every interaction, you're equipping them, either ill-equipping them so that they'll go out in the world to have many hardships or e- equipping them with good tools. Now, all of us as parents, we're going to fall short in some way. Uh, but we want to minimize that. And with every interaction, we have to remember with every interaction, whether it's a, an interaction of doing something wrong or not doing something that we ought, an, an action of omission, that we are building and setting the culture in our family. So Rachel, where can, where can we find you, find the show? Uh, how if people have questions where do they how can they contact you you can contact me on instagram (laughs) at rachel scrobot uh for now i mean it's r-a-c-h-a-e-l-s-k robot course link is in the show notes yes exactly and so this is our first show i'm I'm sure we're gonna have social media platforms where people can reach out and ask questions. And we have so much content that we're excited to share about. I mean, this was a pretty big overview of things that we could probably hone in on so many of the subjects we talked about. Um, and and I, it goes without saying, I am so passionate. We're so passionate about this subject because we have once been lost in the sea of how do we execute these things? How do we see good fruit in our family? 
and that have gotten empowered and equipped by other parents and men and women who have gone before us and who have done it. And we've been able to be like, okay, now if we'll just follow through, stay consistent and be intentional with these things, we're going to reap the rewards and reap the benefits and the fruit of of what we are sowing Mm. and we have. And so we're seeing the fruit and we're like, well, what we're doing is working. We love our relationship with our kids. Kids love us. We have lots of hiccups along the way, lots of learning curves where we're learning continually, but man, what we're doing is working. And so why not share that? Because we want to empower other, so many of our friends and so many people that we don't even yet know to implement culture of your family. And it's never too late. You know, it feels awkward at first, but you're like, nope, I'm just going to start doing it. And we, we can see the change in our family and it's not too late. Even if your kids are approaching teenage years, you know, it's like we can actually implement the things we want to see change. We are powerful in our life. And so we just want, we're excited to, to share all these little, you know, treasures that we have learned and things that we've implemented in our family. And as you said, you know, we've been married almost 11 years. Four boys, ages 10 to three, almost 10 to three. And yeah, we we don't pretend to be the experts and we make mistakes all the time. But as you said, we've looked ahead at people who have gone before us, people who have figured it out, people who we look at the fruit of their relationships and we say, they have done something right. And we have then tried that wisdom, we have then tried that fruit and we have said like, man, we're actually seeing results in our kids' lives and we're not special. Our kids are not special snowflakes. We're just, we're average and normal, just as everyone else. And another point that you said, you know, we're we're passionate, we care about this. Um, You know, I believe that family is the the most basic building block, the individual is the most basic building block, but then of society. But then after that is our families. And if we want to see a better world, if we want to see culture changed, if we want to see a brighter future for our children and our grandchildren, it means that we have to be intentional to raise up our children in a way that go out and affect change in the world that go out and not just float through life until they die, but actually become solutions to problems. And that solution starts with moms. It starts with dads. It starts with the culture of the home. And if we build strong families, we truly can build a strong society. And going back to the the tagline, batteries not included, we did not start our marriage. We did not start our parenting knowing this. Someone had to give us this. We had to turn, plug the batteries in. We had to go out and find something that we did not have. And as we move into our teenage years of of our kids being teenagers, we're going to have to continually learn how to navigate uh, these different areas and put new tools in our tool belt. Yeah. And we're doing it now so that, you know, there's always something. I mean, I can't count how many times people have said, oh, just wait till they're three. It's it's nice now because they're newborns. Wait till they're three and they talk back or, well, just wait until, you know, they're teenagers and it's terrible. And I'm like, no, I refuse. And I I remember having this conversation with, with you, Lucas, as, as Arrow was just a little baby. I'm like, I refuse to believe those 
society lies lies victim lies don't be a victim because that's a terrible way to live like i i want to enjoy my kids now and so if i'm going to be intentional with the age group that they're at now and teach them oh yeah no we don't hit someone in the face because we're mad that they took our toy that's gonna in in building that relationship what we expect what we don't expect that's going to lead us into our teenage years where our relationship with them has already been cultivating Mm. over the past decade and you know, this is normal for us. We're training them in what's applicable as a teenager, but that's normal, you know, because it was like at every stage of development, yes. we invested in, okay, how do we do this? How do we learn? You know, thank God for the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom, but so much of, you know, us doing it, it, it requires so much intentionality. It requires mm-hmm. so much consistency, um, but it pays off and yes. it, you do not quit. You win. It's that, that, that yes. um, and saying it's, it's so important. It's as you said, the the whole victim thing of like, oh, we'll just wait till the teenagers. They'll be, oh, wait for the terrible twos. You, I hate it. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. If you if you're a victim and you think that way and you don't take action now, then that will be your future. Yep. That will be your future unless you act now. That will be the the future state of your relationships with them into their their twenties and thirties and right when we're in nursing homes. That will be the future unless we act now. And and that's what this is all about so thank you so much for listening to the show if you want to get if you want to get more out of the show the way that you get more out of the show is by sharing it with your friends not your friends who disagree with you if you share it with friends who disagree with you that's just being passive aggressive and no one's going to listen and no one's going to like you but send it to friends who think like you think who are close with you who you want to build a, a, a culture with in your community when you send it to them they will feel loved they will feel like you are thinking about them and they'll be grateful and you will then be able to have great conversation to help build the culture of your community and that's who we are outside of our families and building the culture of our families we have a responsibility to the community around us to build a strong culture within our communities, but it starts at home. Thank you guys so much for listening to Batteries Not Included. I'm Rachel. And I'm Lucas. See you next time.